Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing to spend time with the teaching of Jesus found in this section of Matthew's Gospel, uh, often called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, last week, we heard Jesus address our uh, spiritual practices, our uh, habits of faith, things like uh, prayer and, and fasting and giving generously to the poor. And in many ways, what we heard from Jesus last week was how not to do it. And this week, we'll hear Jesus focus on prayer especially and uh, speak more positively of how to approach a God in prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 9 to 15, a very familiar passage uh, known as the Lord's Prayer. Hear now the Word of God. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that Jesus has taught us how to pray. Because, among other things, it means that You hear us, that He is created for us by His ministry, a way for us to call out to You and to know that You hear us. And I pray that You would give us the humility tonight to receive the instruction of Jesus to be changed by the words of Jesus. And I pray that You would make our community, our families, us as individuals, uh, people who give themselves to this great gift of prayer that you have given to us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you want from God? That question might seem a little inappropriate. Uh, It might seem a little bit... Out of place, it it might seem like a question uh, that's a little bit disrespectful. What do you want from God? But the reality is that most of us are here tonight because at some point in our lives, we wanted something from God. Or we think that there might be the possibility that a a relationship with with God would be beneficial And so we want to explore that. What do you want from God? Jesus doesn't run from that question. Jesus is not afraid of your desires. He is not scared of your wants. He rather teaches you to pray. He teaches you to take your desires and to bring them to God. He doesn't take away longing from us. He doesn't take away want. 
He shapes it. He intensifies it. And He directs it to God. And in particular, He directs it to God as our Father. Isn't that how the prayer starts? And we've seen this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. The way Jesus talks about God is as our Father who is in heaven. And if God is your Father, Jesus will go on to say in chapter 7, if God is your Father, He loves to give gifts to His children. And so ask. Come to Him with your longings, with your desires, and ask because He is a good Father who delights in giving good things to His children. And so Jesus in this text teaches us how to do that. How to come to God with our longings. How to come to God in our desires. And I want us to look at that tonight. And I think we can break this prayer up into two groups of requests. Two groups of desires. Uh, Jesus teaches us what we should want for God and what we should want for ourselves. So first of all, uh, Jesus teaches us that we should come to God with desires for God. He teaches us to ask, uh, to ask God for what God wants. And two basic requests. He says that we are to pray for God's name and we are to pray for God's kingdom. To pray for God's name is to pray for God's reputation. This is a common theme throughout the Bible uh, that God uh, builds a name for himself and gives his name to his people. Uh, It is his reputation. And Jesus has already taught us to care about this. You remember earlier in his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says you should live such good lives that people would see your good works and do what? Glorify your father who is in heaven. For God to be glorified is for His name to be hallowed. It is for people to see how good He is, how powerful He is, how merciful He is. It is for people to see who He is and to acknowledge that. And to even more to celebrate His character and his, the things that He does, the goodness of the things that He does. So Jesus teaches us to pray That people would know and honor God and who He is. He also tells us to pray uh, for God's kingdom, which is to pray for God's agenda. He says, pray that God's kingdom would come, and then He explains it, right? In the second phrase, pray that your kingdom come, and then what? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That what God wants to happen on this earth would happen. That how God is worshipped and obeyed in heaven would, be, would become a reality in this world. And we've seen that this is what Jesus is about, right? He is about bringing the kingdom of heaven. He is about connecting heaven and earth. He is about God's design becoming a reality in our lives and in our world. And so we should desire, we should ask that God would be honored for who He is and that what He wants would be done. 
And we were made to long for those two things. We were made to want God's name to be celebrated, worshipped, honored, and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God created Adam and Eve, the stories we have uh, from the book of Genesis, He makes them in His image. And remember when Genesis was written, it was a time of, of ancient kings. And when a, a king began to conquer territory, he wanted his will to be done in that territory. And so what would he do? He would make images of himself and put them in the center of town to remind those cities who was king. And so God makes us in His image. And He tells us through Adam and Eve that as His images, we're to fill the whole earth. Why? So that the kingdom of heaven would expand to all the earth. That as His representatives, humanity would bring God's will into God's creation. That's what we were made for. Uh, of a professor in seminary who said, that is why you breathe. Your heart beats to represent God's will, to represent God's desires and design for His creation. God deputizes us in the work of His kingdom. And of course, we follow the story of Genesis and and sin messes all of that up. Sin is the rejection of the fundamental human purpose and desire to live as a representative of God in God's creation. That's why it's easier for us to pray for safety for ourselves than it is to pray for God's will to be done. Because sin has wrecked our hearts and has taught us to want our kingdom rather than God's. And the work of Jesus through His life and teaching is to restore a longing for God's kingdom. To restore a people who would pray that God's kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that prayer for a Christian is an act of insurgency. The word insurgent, insurgency has become uh, very important in our time, has it not? And what is an insurgent? Insurgent is someone whose, whose homeland has been taken over by a foreign political power and they push back against that power. We were made, our world was made to be under the rule of God. Sin has taken over that space. And when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we push against that power. We, as one writer has said, we rebel against the rebellion. 
We rebel against the rebellion of human sin. When we pray that God's will would would be done, we long for God's rule to be reasserted in our world and in our lives. Are your prayers this expansive? Are they this huge? Are they this ambitious? When you look around at the city of Tallahassee, when you see the brokenness, the injustice that is here, do you long for God's kingdom? Do you pray that God's will would be done here as it is done in heaven? Or do you look at Tallahassee as a place to get what you want? Students, you're here in our city, many of you, for a very, very brief time. But do you see your place as just something to get from? Or do you long to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven? When you watch the news and hear once again uh, bad, discouraging financial news, do you worry about your investment in retirement? Or do you pray for God's kingdom to come to those who are most vulnerable when economics goes bad? You pray for God's kingdom to come in places like Syria, Palestine, Afghanistan. I want to challenge you to watch the news prayerfully. To read the news saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, in, as it is in heaven. And, and not just Fox News, all right? Find a news source that will, that will tell you about places in the world that are places of deep darkness and pray for that place. Pray that God's kingdom would come in that place. Go to resources like Voice of the Martyrs, um, uh, Operation World. There are Christian resources out there that will inform you about places around the world where Jesus is not known. I'm going to challenge you, and I think Jesus challenges us to consider those places and to long for God's kingdom in those places. But not just in those places. In our place as well. We bring the longing for God's kingdom back home. Back even, not just to our city, but to our heart. Because the front line of that war of insurgency is your own heart. It's your own desires that have been broken, that have been taught to love your kingdom more than God's. So would you pray that God would rule your life, He would rule your relationships, that His kingdom would come in those things. Now, in some ways, that seems abstract. That seems distant. Uh, It seems disconnected uh, to pray for a kingdom and then to uh, get up 
tomorrow morning and, and go to work and, and later this week to go visit family and, and deal with all those awkward relationships and, uh, and, and try to celebrate uh, with family and then to come back and to, to finish the semester uh, and to return to work. To, to pray for God's kingdom, it, it seems far off. It seems remote. It, it seems distant from those daily experiences. But Jesus doesn't allow that. He doesn't allow that disconnection between this massive vision of of, of God's kingdom coming to this earth, of heaven coming to earth, and our daily needs, our daily lives. Jesus teaches us not only to want something from God for God, So his name and his kingdom, but he teaches us to want things for ourselves, to pray for ourselves. And what Jesus is doing in this, in this prayer, because the first part of the prayer, it's these big ideas. And then the first, the second part of the prayer, it's these very practical, it's bread, right? It's forgiveness, it's help and temptation, very daily Very practical. And what Jesus is doing in connecting those two things in how he teaches us to pray is is he wants us to not only pray for the goal, but to pray for the process as well. So we pray for the goal of, of heaven coming to earth, of God's kingdom being expressed where we live in our lives and around the world. But we also pray for the process of our daily lives. The process of God's kingdom in our need for sustenance, for forgiveness, for protection. Now, how can I say that? How can I connect those two things? We need to remember that in the Gospel of Matthew, the story of Israel from the Old Testament is never very far away. That as he tells us about the life and gives us the words of Jesus, he wants us to hear the echoes of what God has done through his people Israel and all of these stories in the Old Testament. And I believe that's the case here in the second part of Jesus' prayer as well. That these three things that he teaches us to pray for come from the story of Israel. They come from their experience. And in particular, they come from their experience in the wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. You remember, God rescues his people out of slavery in Egypt. And he gives them this incredible identity, this incredible calling that they uh, would be his people. They would be what Adam and Eve failed to be. That they would represent Him on the earth. They would be His light to the world. They would be the expression of His kingdom in the world. So He gives them that mission. And then what does He do? He takes them into the desert. He takes them into a place of lack. A place of weakness. A place of need. Why? Why does he do that? 
because he wants to show his people that they need him. That yes, he gives them this mission, but that mission is impossible without him, without their need for him. Think about these three requests in relationship to the wilderness in the Old Testament. Daily bread. Jesus teaches us to pray for daily bread. When is the one time in history where people experience God's direct provision of daily bread? It's Israel in the wilderness. When God rained manna from heaven every day to provide their needs. And Jesus teaches us to share in that life of dependence, of reliance on God. For sustenance. And then Jesus talks about uh, asking for forgiveness for debt. And when he talks about this, he's talking about sin. Because the way the Bible talks about sin is that it creates a debt of justice before God. And that debt has to be forgiven, it has to be taken away. When did Israel learn this? In the wilderness. Remember, Moses is on Sinai, is up on Mount Sinai. He's receiving the will of God. While he's receiving the will of God, what is Israel doing on the ground? They're making another God to worship. The heart of sin. To look to another God for your needs, for your fulfillment. And so as a response, God creates Sacrifices. He creates a sacrificial system, a way for His people to come to Him and to find forgiveness. And Jesus teaches us to share in that deep need for forgiveness that His people found out. And He says if you're going to share in that need for forgiveness, then you will also share in the character of God in giving forgiveness and showing mercy little part at the end that he expands on this idea of forgiveness. And we're not going to go in depth tonight uh, because Jesus uh, tells stories about this and deepens this teaching in, in chapter 18. And we'll come back to this theme of forgiveness later. It's a major theme in Matthew. But Jesus teaches us, if you are going to seek God's forgiveness, you are going to reflect his mercy. And then third, uh, Jesus teaches us to ask for rescue from temptation. The word temptation, we've seen this word before. It's when Jesus reenacts what Israel does in the desert. He goes out into the wilderness. He goes out into the desert. And it is a place of what? Of temptation. And the word simply means testing. It's, it's testing or training. And this is the dominant way that Israel's wilderness experience was described. As a time of testing. As a time of temptation where, God's, where God took His people into that place of need to train them to trust Him. And understand that when Jesus tells us to pray for this, He's not uh, saying, God, don't let us experience testing. He is saying, God, take us through testing in faithfulness, unlike Israel in the desert in the Old Testament. All of these connections to the wilderness experience are here to remind us of how God does His work. 
God does His work in human need, not in human sufficiency. Or as the Apostle Paul says, God's power is perfected in our weakness. And prayer sits at the nexus, at the connection between God's power in our weakness. It is how we live in that relationship. It is the connection uh, between His kingdom and our need. Between His design and our failure to live according to that design. Remember how Jesus starts the sermon? He talks about and describes these people who will live out the kingdom of heaven. And, and He gives what we call the Beatitudes. Do you remember how we summarize that list? It's people who know their need for God. Prayer is simply the articulation of that. It is to articulate our deep need for God. And listen, the reason we struggle to pray is not because of a lack of discipline. It's because of a lack of desperation. It's because we don't believe that we are weak and God is strong. It's because we don't believe that we are inadequate and God through Jesus is abundantly, infinitely adequate. Some of you uh, have, have big dreams for your life. And, and I love to hear about these dreams um, that are connected to the kingdom of God. I hear some of you, and particularly some of, of our younger uh, members here tonight, of, of how you long to serve God in His kingdom and to serve people. It's a beautiful desire. But if you are going to pursue that, then cultivate weakness. Through prayer. Because if you don't, you will seek your kingdom and not God's. Center point, we have, I think, beautiful dreams to see God work in and through us for his glory, for the good of our city. But we must cultivate weakness in prayer. We must cultivate a sense of our deep need for God. Or we will be about our reputation and not His. And I have to confess, as your pastor, my first move is to strategy. It's to say, here's what we want to accomplish it. All right, how are we going to do it? How can we organize? What can we do to get it done? That is from the pit of hell. All right. I ask you to join me in repenting of that. In, in making our first move to be here. 
Give us our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Protect us in testing and temptation. God's kingdom comes not in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. Emilou Harris is a uh, country singer and is one of the most sought-after backing vocalist singers in all of popular music. You hear her voice everywhere, which is a mystery because Miss Harris does not have a traditionally beautiful voice. And especially as she gets older. She sings with a very shaky and cracked voice. But again and again, artists come to her trying to make her a part of, of their music and what they want to create. Why is that? I think it's because her voice communicates something true about our experience. And that truth is that as human beings, we are fragile. There, there is a fragility to her voice that reflects our knowledge of ourselves and our experience in this world. And so we hear that and we know it's true and we want it to be beautiful. We want to find beauty in that. If you are going to pray the way Jesus taught you to pray, the way that Jesus prayed, the way that Jesus lived, to do that is to sing with a shaky, cracked voice. It is to express the fragility of being human, broken, rebellious. And it is, to ref it is to express that fragility in hope that God's kingdom comes through our need. That that is where He does His work. So what do you want from God? Will you let Jesus teach you to long for God's power to be perfected in your weakness? Let's pray. Father, I am challenged tonight by the words of Your Son. And more than words, I'm challenged by His life, His humility, that He, uh, though being God, entered flesh, entered human weakness to bring Your kingdom, to bring Your life to us, to this world. Would you connect us to that? Would you teach us to know our weakness and to turn to you in that weakness? We ask that your kingdom power would be displayed in us. Would you teach us to pray for that? Would you teach us the willingness 
to acknowledge our inadequacy uh, so that we can know your adequacy. Would you make us a people of prayer who reflect the desires that your son taught to us? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.